Welcome to the Red Letters Podcast. In this podcast, we explore topics that can be life-transforming while delivering a message of hope. Welcome to this week's podcast. Um, We're going to be doing something a little different today, and we are going to be sharing testimonies. But today, um, we're going to have Tony share his testimony on how he found his relationship with Jesus Christ. And later on during this month, um, we'll have Mary and myself share our testimony. But for now, Tony, could you share with us a little bit about what brought you to a relationship? First of all, I would love to say that, you know, I sought God, but I felt like God had planted seeds in my life that I didn't know of until I actually did come to the knowledge of Him and who He is and what His love can do to my life. Because even as a young boy, again, after the I came to a relationship with Him, I found out that like one of my uncles was taking me to a church and there's pictures of him showing me like in the the early 70s when there was a Jesus people movement that he was teaching me how to put the my finger up and it was called one way because that's what all the Christians did back in the day and I never even knew that that was a thing until I saw this picture and I showed my uncle and he goes you know why you were putting that finger up and I go no he goes because I was teaching you it was one way that's what everybody did in the the early outpouring of the Holy Spirit during the early 70s. And I was like, wow. And he had showed me pictures of him taking me to like a a summer kids camp thing at the church and all that. So although I grew up Catholic, my uncle was planting seeds. You know, God was using my uncle to plant seeds in my life. As I got older, you know, I again grew up Catholic, went through catechism, made my first communion, did all of that kind of stuff. And, And even during that process, I felt like I was getting to know God. But because there was so much extra stuff that looking back that I felt the Catholic Church kind of added, it was a little harder to, it seemed like to get to know God was a little bit more Mm -hmm. difficult because there was a lot of things you had to remember. This saint was the one you pray for for this, and then all the other hoops and hurdles it felt like. So as I got older, I had, and I'm I'm getting to where, you know, I gave my life to God, but as I got a little bit older and... um, in high school, I had two best friends, and one of them, he didn't really believe in God so much. The other one, he had said he was a Christian, and I was a Catholic. And it was so weird that when he had said he was a Christian, just that name of the religion, because mm-hmm. to me at that time, it was just the name of the religion, it just seemed so much more nicer, more beautiful than me saying I was a Catholic. Uh-huh. I know it sounds weird, mm-hmm. but I'm kind of like in the names like that. Like, I won't buy a, a house on a street if I don't like the name of the street. Oh, nice. It's, it's weird. Um, but um, when he had said that, that Christian just always kind of had like a special spot in my heart. So um, I was going to school in high school and then going with these two friends of mine. We were real close, started getting all into drugs and all this kind of stuff. And then um, I had a friend that I was working with. Uh, his name was Mark, and I was working at Kentucky Fried Chicken at the time. I was in my 12th grade year, and um, that's when Easy e was a big deal. And, you know, one night we're, I lived in a trader in the back of my grandma's house, and uh, one night we're doing a bunch of crystal. I was all into that weed, drinking, all that stuff, and we're in the back of the my trailer, 
And my friend was there. We're listening and all that. And then all of a sudden, uh, he turns around and he he looked at me and he, he looked like his eyes turned like flaming red. And I had looked at him and he turns around and he goes, his voice changed. And I know it wasn't the drugs at all. I know I was on them, but I, I was on them many times. So I know what the difference was. But he turns around saying in a deep voice and his eyes, like I said, were almost like on fire and he's waving, like, come here. And then it, that, this voice says, I want to take you to places you've never been. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking like, what the heck? And all, again, all I knew is I could lean on the little bit of Catholicism that I knew. Mm-hmm. And he said it so, like, I, I felt something genuinely would have happened if I would have just participated in whatever he was about to try to do. And I got so scared that physically I just put my arms up and I, got, I started yelling. And I said, knock it off. I ain't going nowhere. And then he just kept staring at me. And I knew it wasn't him. A thousand percent it wasn't him. And he's turning around and he's looking at me and he starts smiling. He's like, come on, I want to take you to places you've never been. And I just got so scared. And I'm like, no, I ain't going nowhere. Then all of a sudden you see like his countenance just kind of change. And then he started looking like who he was again. His voice came back and all this stuff. And we're just, and this is a small trailer. And um, I'm sitting there and, and then he just kind of smiles and starts singing along with the song. And I'm just like, my mind just like, I almost I felt like I was living in a third dimension that I didn't, or fourth dimension, whatever you want to call it, but in a different dimension that I wasn't used to. Yeah. So I was like, what just happened? Um, so we just, I kind of put that off to the side. We did some more drugs and stuff like that and then hung out and then ended up crashing out. Well, I know it's kind of a little deep story, but this is how I came to God. So I turned around and I'm, I'm up, uh, laying on the little top part of the camper I wake up at the morning in the morning around six and I'm just in my shorts and I look over and he's standing up staring at me with his arms crossed. And I'm looking over, I'm like, hey, Mark. I said, what are you doing? He goes, I was just watching you all night. And I'm like, oh my God. So here's this Catholic guy that don't know a whole, don't remember a whole lot. And I'm like, I remember what happened last night. And then now you're telling me this. And I'm like, this is too much. So I'm, I turn around, and when I had woken up, it, literally it felt like I walked out of a shower. I was drenched, wet, like like I just walked out of a shower. And then I turned around, and he's hey, I was just watching you all night. And I'm like, what the heck? And I just try to shake it off. I'm like, something's going on. I don't understand this, any of that. We get up. I kind of try to shake it off again. And I turned around and uh, we did some more uh, dope. And then he goes off to his school. I go to my school, Castle Park High School. And then I had remembered that my government teacher there had said in the beginning of the semester, if anybody needed to talk to him or, you know, needed prayer for anything, they come and talk to him. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, cool. And I had remembered that that following morning or after, actually when I went to his class and and I, after class, I said, Hey, Mr. Wallace, I said, can I come back after class? I mean, after school to talk to you? And he goes, sure. So I went over there after school, told him exactly what I just said, what happened. And then he turned around and goes, well, you know, to be honest with you, your friend, he's possessed by a demon and you need to stay away from him and you need to give your life to God. And I'm like, okay, what does that look like? How do I do this? How does this start? 
And then um, he ended up leading me in like a sinner's prayer, gave my life to God that day. And I, again, I was in 12th grade. I go home, threw my mirror away, the drugs away, all that stuff, get ready. I had to go to work. I go to work that day. I show up at Kentucky Fried Chicken. And um, what do you call it? My friend Mark was already working. So I go there and I see him there. And he showed up with his hair like pitch black. Like the night before was normal. He goes to work and his hair is like pitch black, almost like a tint of blue or purple. And I'm like, what the heck did he do? And so I walk over there to go wash my hands. And he's washing. He had just finished washing his hands. And I walked over and said, hey, Mark. He goes, yeah. I said, everything that happened last night, that was real, right? And he goes, yeah. And then he just walked walked away like nothing. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I still couldn't process this thing. Well, I had a coworker there. His name was Gilbert. I said, hey, Gilbert. And I told him what happened. And he was a, he was a dedicated Catholic. He turns around and he goes, oh, you know what? I know what I could do to help you. He goes, um, I'll, I'll stop at your house later on tonight after work and this and that. I'm like, all right, cool. And I'm still trying to process this thing. I'm like, I've never seen this. I hear about it in the movies. I know movies are made about it, all this other stuff. And so that night I turned around and came, uh, went home. And then um, Gilbert calls me up. Hey, I'm coming over. He shows up with like a gallon of water. I'm like, what is that? And then he goes, he goes, I got holy water for you. He goes, the father at the church, let me bring it. And I'm like, Oh, yeah. And he's, yeah. And I thought it was some kind of protection too, because you always do that before you walk in and out of the church or whatever. So I get that thing. I doused me and him, doused the whole thing. So there was water all over that that trailer. And then he turns around, yeah, now you're going to be safe. Now you're, any evil spirits will stay away and da da da. And I'm thinking the same thing. He had good intentions. I'm believing the whole thing because that's all I knew. And then I remember, I think it was that same week. I turned around and uh, my income tax check came and that's when uh, Costco was price club. And I, and I said, and I had one of my aunts take me down there, got the biggest gold cross I can find the biggest gold chain. And I'm wearing that. I'm I'm really protected now. So I had that and I'm thinking the Catholic way that, Hey, I got my protection now because I didn't know any better. And I turned around, started doing that. I got that feeling better, and I'm still trying to figure this thing out. And then this that teacher, Mr. Wallace, said, hey, we have a, a Bible study class that meets, I think it was either once a week or every day at lunch in his classroom. So I started going to that. Then he says, hey, you know, I have a Bible study at my house on Tuesday nights. Okay, cool. So I started going to his house, and that's where they, he would, to this day, he still has the same Bible study all these years. He sings the old hymns. A uh, beautiful man, man of God. And uh, then after I started going to his Bible study, I met some other people that were not necessarily my age, but they were younger. And, oh, I, I teach a Bible study on Wednesday. Oh, yeah. So I went to that one. Then I heard one of the other brothers did one on Thursday and another one did one on Friday. So I, I got consumed with uh, Bible studies because I felt like I need to grow in my knowledge of whatever this new thing is and getting to know God because I thought I knew him, but I really don't think I did. So I'm saturating myself in all these Bible studies. I get this little new Gideon New Testament. I'm reading that between my, my going from one classroom to the next, like reading, reading, reading. And I was even struggling reading. And I remember turning around and getting mad at God because it was a new King James, the thou shalt not, you know, all those big words where the, you know, 
almost reading like Shakespeare and I'm, I'm getting mad because I'm like, man, I can't remember any of this stuff. And, and I was getting frustrated and I remember getting mad at God. I'm like, man, God, you want me to know you and I got to, by reading your word and I can't understand a lick of what I'm reading, much less remember it. And then I remember I'm wanting to change so much that I remember saying the GD, you know, at work a couple of times at Kentucky Fried Chicken while I'm on the fryer. I'm like, oh, God, didn't like this. And I remember slapping my my cheek yeah. so hard. I'm like, stop it. Quit saying that. I'm using the Lord's name in vain. Yeah. You know, so I was like hungry to change. And, and just as I started growing, and, and going to church and uh, having brothers that took me under my wing and going to some of those Bible studies. Like I said, they were probably like, some of them were like five, 10 years older than me. And I remember how funny it was when one of the guys wanted to spend time with me. He goes, he goes, Hey, Tony. Yeah. Hey, um, how about if, uh, uh, Thursday before we go to Bible study, I'll pick you up and we'll get an ice cream. I'm like, that sounds so corny. You know what I mean? Because I wasn't used to somebody saying something like that. And then there was one guy that was, this guy was like Mr. Love. He just poured love all over you every time. And a real hairy guy. I think he was a Middle Eastern guy, but so sweet. This guy's name was Steve. And he turned around and says, hey, Tony, I need to make sure you're here next week. If you don't, I'm going to hunt you down and lick your cheek. And I was like, ah. But he was just, he was he had a funny personality. And so everybody loved this guy. But that's actually how I first gave my life to God. I know it was kind of a story, but that's what what triggered everything. Um, can you actually talk more or share a little bit more about your childhood, your mom, your dad, how your your upbringing? I I doesn't really. It, I don't know so much if it helped me coming to God. I think if anything, growing up <clears throat> in a broken home and having my mom have different men in the house and or stepfathers and stuff like that and seeing the abuse of what a father can do, I actually look back at some of that upbringing as the enemy trying to keep me from coming to this loving God. Because if he could thwart my my view of a dad, Mm -hmm. then he would keep me from running to the father. So I actually, looking back, had to see it that way. But then I still had like the love of my uncles that mm-hmm. was kind of like the love of a father that kind of uh, uh, was more uh, overwhelming to the, than the negative stuff that happened. There was good stuff with my stepdads from time to time, but there was a lot of stuff that I should never have seen, been a part of, and yeah, and been, you know, abused by some of them, you know. Mm-hmm. From hearing your testimony so far, it sounds like you're doing all the right things, at least trying to do all the right things. But can you share a little bit about the moment where Jesus became real? Like everything that you were learning, but then that moment where it's like everything that I've come to know was for this moment to like see the eyes that love me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Can you share a little bit about that? I don't know if it was really one moment, but I would say that it was moments. And I think those moments were... I saw me seeking God and and trying to grab a hold of him. But it wasn't until I actually saw his love go through me to other people. 
when I was able to speak life into somebody that a homeless guy, taking him to church, buying him a donut to bribe him to go to church and to be able to speak into his life. That's when I saw the hand of God on my life. That's when I saw this is what it's about. It wasn't until that love, his love flowed through me that I saw it. Because until then, you're just a container uh, that's being filled with it. But until you unplug it and let that love flow through you to touch someone else's life, that's when the eye opened. Then that's when, I, when all of a sudden I'm remembering stuff that I could not remember regarding the Bible, and I'm sharing stuff that I thought I didn't remember, mm-hmm. and it's coming alive, and they're, they're a deer in headlights because they see it's God speaking to them. It's not this little Mexican guy. Mm-hmm. That's when my eyes were more open, when I saw the impact of his love touching somebody else. And I'm like, man, God, you're using me Mm. when I didn't even know you. I didn't think this thing was even working until those times of of touching somebody else's life with that love of God. I I actually wanted to say something, Tony, because I'm hoping that a lot of the listeners that are tuning tuning in have the opportunity to hear. I don't, I don't know Tony because I'm not a family member. I know Tony from who I see at church and this friend that he has become to us, uh, to me and my family. And I, I, I think you have a wonderful life. And I truly believe what they said. God knows what he was doing with everybody because there's a calling in you. And when you talk about that demon possessed friend who was calling you, I think, wow, the fight it must have been real within you to say no to this because you said, even though I got up and I still did the drugs, I'm guessing to me it would have been so scary that I'm not going to take anything else because I don't know where I just went. But that calling on your life, only God, Mm. only God, because you had a choice at that moment to say, I'm going to keep doing this or I'm going to go seek something else because this is not what I want. But I believe that there was the spirit in you. Mm. And then I wrote down, it's interesting to me, and I don't know about you, but how some people, the enemy doesn't have to keep chasing because is he, does that mean that they already belong to him? What happens there? Because there is a, a scripture in the Bible that says the father gathers them to me and then God works with them. Well, God, you know, they follow Jesus. But I'm wondering what happens to some people that I'm sure I've said this before. We've all had to have had that encounter with God because he didn't create a mess. He just, he didn't create and just leave us here. He created us and we're here but what happened to that encounter between me and that person and God that they haven't yet seen him, if you will? Mm. Because I think it's powerful what you're saying. And uh, it, you said something else, that the seeds were planted. So you were you already had uncles that were planting those little seeds within you. And I want to believe for every listener that you have had somebody praying out there. Somebody else out there is praying for your salvation. And I'll say this for us at church. We pray every morning. Well, you know, Friday mornings, I didn't go Friday. I'm going through my own stuff right now. But Friday mornings we pray, but we don't pray for you, Tony. We don't pray for Ida. We don't pray for me. We're praying for those who haven't been saved. We're praying. We're reaching out to nations and countries um, so that every person who doesn't know about God would be touched by the Holy Spirit. So just if you happen to be that one person who you say, I don't have anybody praying for you, you do. Because I may not know you by name, but I know that there's a lost soul out there and we've been praying for you. So I just wanted to put that out there because I used to say that a lot. Nobody prayed for me. Like, how did I get saved? No, there was a reason I got saved. So... Another thing that you said, Tony, you, so you've been in church most of your life, mm. all of your life. 
right? Yeah, pretty much so, 18 on. Yeah. So I want to know, um, one, did you backslide? Uh, I guess backslide is a word, but you in church, you were still doing drugs. Like what, what happened? I, I, I'm curious for me. It's like, because when I come and I started hearing the word of God, I was like, I know things that I'm not supposed to do. And we'll hear my testimony later, but I immediately knew new things that were wrong. So I'm wondering where that disconnect was that, that drugs were okay. Like if, I don't know if that makes yeah, sense, yeah. but I want to, without disrespect. Sure, sure. No, I get it. No, I, I, there was like this whole beginning season. I was running after God with everything inside of me. Then there was opportunities to do things that were not so good, meaning drugs and having relationships outside of marriage. Mm-hmm. And I knew I was like scared to death to ever cross that line. Oh, okay. But after a while, I saw myself flirting with those temptations. Mm-hmm. Okay. Once I did, then I crossed the line. Once you cross the line, it's easier to cross that line again and again and again and know that, well, God will forgive me. And you almost take his grace for granted. Mm -hmm. And so I know that that's something that I did. Mm -hmm. And many times it was those times in between us not having a church to go to. Um, Then there was some times where I was just going through the motions at church and not really wanting to be genuine in my walk with God. Where I, I thought, well, you know, I could look good on the outside, but I could still do this on the side. Mm-hmm. And then I'll go ahead and repent and give my life back to God when 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 I need to. Oh. So it, it's not something I'm proud of. And I'm not saying everybody does it. Some people right. do, some people don't, whatever the case is. But I know for me, that was some of the time or some of the things that I did. Mm-hmm. But it was when I started entertaining it. Oh. And in my mind that I actually crossed the line. And like I said, I had a fear that God was going to strike me dead initially. Mm-hmm. But when I wasn't stricken dead or I wasn't, you know, the lightning bolt didn't hit me, yeah. then I thought, well, I might be able to get away with this. Mm-hmm. So that first fear was a big protection layer that I wish I would have never crossed because I would still have that fear today. Mm-hmm. But because I crossed the line so many times, then it was easy to take his grace for granted and think I could repent later. Yeah. God, forgive me for what I'm about to do. That was kind of the attitude sometimes. And again, I'm not proud of that, but I know now that I'm on, you know, pursuing the straight and narrow. I'm trying to do everything God wants me to do now, and that's what I've been trying to chase. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for that, Tony. Mm -hmm. I appreciate it. When you say fear and how you said, I wish I had that fear back, can you elaborate to people listening what you mean by that fear? The fear of... I don't want to disappoint a God that's willing, that gave everything to me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, not so much a fear that he, well, I know I mentioned him strike me dead, but um, that is, it was kind of a fear on both sides, mm-hmm. that side. And also I didn't want to disappoint him because mm-hmm. I saw how good he was and I saw how gracious he was, how patient he was for me, how, how, you know, despite everything that I've done, he was willing to just say, okay, guess what, Tony? I don't remember that no more. Mm-hmm. You asked me to forgive you, and I did. So when you're bringing up your past, I don't know what you're talking about. I can't see that. And when I look at you, I don't see the the sins you've committed anymore. I don't see your failures. I don't see the times you've used my name in vain mm-hmm. when you did things that you shouldn't have been doing. I can't see that no more. 
And I'm like, wow, God, I can't, it's hard to believe that you love me like that. And you know what, Tony, I also want to ask you what you would say about this. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know that there's a law of cause and effect. Mm-hmm. Um, so for every action, there's an equal reaction. And if we do something, then there's a consequence to it, correct? So then when God forgave you for all those sins, he forgave you, mm-hmm. right? So we don't, we don't have to worry about the consequence anymore? Um, I wouldn't say that. I, I know that the forgiveness is forgiveness, mm-hmm. but I feel that sometimes there's still a consequence for some of the sins that you've done. Um, but you, if you choose to walk under th- that load, mm-hmm. it can keep you from enjoying your relationship with him because you're always looking at, okay, what consequence do I have to pay now? Yeah. So I don't. I, there was a time where I was living that way because of how much junk I did, but um, I think being. Um, I just try to look at the grace of God at work in my life and try not to look at the consequences that come. But if they do come, I understand that it's part of what I did, not what He did. Uh, and I'm glad you said that, Tony, because I think a lot of people, depending on the religion, I have a relationship with God. I don't believe I have a religion, but I believe that a lot of people tend to believe that. Um, I've heard it so many times because I'm from Texas and a lot of people from there are Catholics and they'll say, well, that's why I sin because I need to sin. Like it's it's the right thing to do mm-hmm. because that's why God, otherwise, otherwise Jesus would have just died for no reason. And they say it, it's almost hypocritical, but they they mean it. Like when they say, I'm like, oh my gosh. And I'm not just saying people in Texas. I'm just saying people in general mm-hmm. will make those types of comments. And I've always thought now, now I'm like, wait, there's a consequence to pay. Even if you're doing it in your twenties, this is going to come around one day and it's going to show its ugly face and we don't know how it's going to look but it's going to that consequence we have to pay for that mm-hmm. so well, I, I, honestly i think that because when when you ask for forgiveness genuine forgiveness you ask jesus to forgive you he forgives you and he forgets about it right i believe in sowing and reaping mm-hmm. or reaping what you sow but i believe there's consequences for 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 the actions of sin that aren't dealt with. So if you don't deal with them, I believe there's going to be a consequence. But if you deal with them and you ask God for forgiveness, then I feel like in a sense, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but we're almost like re-crucifying Jesus on the cross again, because his forgiveness wasn't good enough. We feel now that we have to pay for it because now, oh, you know what? This is a consequence for this sin that Jesus already forgave me for. Mm -hmm. So now I'm going to pay the price for it, but he already paid the price for it because you genuinely asked him to forgive you and you turned away from that sin. Does that make sense? Yes. So then would it, uh, then I guess, if the person continues to do that sin, then even that's though different. then that's different. Yes. Yeah, because I've always wondered about that. Right. I was like, wait, I, heard, I know about the cause and effect, but mm-hmm. if I did it and I repented, but I have to, I believe it's Dr. Miles Monroe that said, mm-hmm. it, and don't quote me, but let's go back and watch it. But he did say that you will pay for what you did. Mm-hmm. It, it may not look like this or that, but there's consequences to all our actions. And I was like, oh my goodness, I've already asked for forgiveness. Does that mean I still have to pay for that? Mm-hmm. And where does that generation after generation, I will, um, you know, that, that quote in the Bible, I don't remember it right now. But so to me, I've always, I'm not, I'm going to be clear. Well, I know, I was, generation to generation is, I believe it's an exodus. Mm-hmm. And I want to say Deuteronomy, because I did a study on generational curses mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm like, 
I believe it, but then I don't because I believe, well, that's another subject because we're getting off of the testimony. uh, I think think a better way of looking at it is that many times, even Jesus, he taught in parables. Mm -hmm. So he would turn around and explain something in the physical realm so that you could see how the spiritual works. Yeah. So I would kind of look at it the same way. You can do something bad. You can cause a, do do a crime, Mm -hmm. go to court. The judge can actually give you mercy where you don't need to pay the such a high penalty for your your crime. Sometimes he'll throw the book at you. Mm-hmm. It's all determined on the judge, on, the judge. on right. how much grace he chooses to give. I feel it's the exact same way with God. On the sins we commit, there might be a penalty mm-hmm. depending on how much grace he chooses to give us. Sometimes he could just, I dismiss it. It's all under grace. Mm-hmm. Sin no more. Right. Whether it's your first time doing a second, he's the one that gives out that grace. Right. Or he could turn around and, hey, you know what? You did this, and now you still got to pay this price. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So I don't, I don't like to look at God at what, what consequence he's going to have mm-hmm. me pay. I choose not to live that way because that's a lot of weight to carry. But to me, if there is a a price I have to pay, then I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. Not that I enjoy it at all, but Mm -hmm. I brought it upon myself. I know that. I have to take ownership for my mistakes, but I have to look at him. He's the one sitting on the judgment seat. He's the one that could choose how much grace to give me. Although it could be forgiven, forgotten, that doesn't say that there's never a penalty to pay. So that's the way that I choose to look at it. And and you know, Tony, the reason I asked you that question was because something that I dealt with a lot uh, when I first came to God, and this is what I want listeners to know, the consequence is already in your mind because if you you choose to reminisce about what I did wrong Mm -hmm. and how bad it was and how you want to stay there, God already forgave you. Now it's you having to work with forgiving yourself. So I'm really glad that you you said what you you shared your testimony. But I know that there's a lot of people out there, you know, older than us, mm-hmm. maybe not not as old as us, that are still holding on to that. That why did I do this or why did I do that? If God forgives you, learn to forgive yourself. Mm-hmm. And if there's a consequence to, consequence to be paid, believe me, what others do is not worse than what you're doing to yourself exactly. in your own mind. So move on and accept God's grace. Yeah. So Sometimes, like you said, self-condemnation is your yes. penalty. Mm-hmm. And you, you could let that last as long as you want it to last. So you could embrace it and highlight it and put that up on the a pedestal because that's what I'm going to continue to pay this price. Oh, me, oh, my. Uh-huh. Well, you're never going to be able to experience what grace is. You're never going to experience this abundant life because right. you're always going to feel unworthy. And at the end of the day, yes, we are. Mm-hmm. But his blood makes us worthy. Yes. Not that we walk around in arrogance and pride because no. of the position he's given us, but because of the grace he's been given us. So you know, so I think that's a better way to look at it and a healthy way to look at it so that you can become who he wants you to be mm-hmm. and to bring out the gifts that, that he's placed within us to be able to serve other people with. Yeah, and then you know one 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 I guess verse that when I said that prayer in that in that classroom, I, I would probably want to go ahead and leave this thought with everyone who's listening. In Revelation three twenty, it's one of my favorite scriptures. It says, "Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you open the door, I will come in and sup with you and you with me." 
And it, it's a picture of Jesus knocking on the door mm-hmm. of our hearts saying, hey, if you'll open the door, I'll come in and we can have fellowship. You have to grab the knob. You have to make the effort to turn the knob and push the door or open the door mm-hmm. so that I could come in. You know, God will not force himself in, in your life. He's always right there waiting on us. And I don't know whether you have a relationship with God with him. If you have a relationship with God today or not, know that he's been there. And you might say, oh, he's never been there. Look at the life I had. I beg to differ because when you stand before God, I think you're going to be in awe of how much he's been there for you, how many times he protected you when you didn't know he was there, how many times he's healed you, where he took the, he took the, the pain for you, took it from you. There's so much that he's done behind the scenes that we'll never really know how much he loved us. But I think him knocking on the door of your heart, if you don't have a relationship, I would, I would beg of you to consider asking him to come into your life, invite him into your life and ask him, you know, God, if you're real, if you did what you did in all of our lives here, if you can turn around and change my life and help me to know who you are and to become who you want me to be because I feel like I'm going in circles. I'm like a dog chasing its tail going through life and I don't seem like I'm making any headway. And you know, God, I I really want you to come in and, and take over my life. I want this relationship with you. If there's any truth to what this guy is saying, I ask you to come into my life. I challenge you to do that. Your life will never be the same. Once you get the taste of the goodness of God, it's impossible to walk away. Even real quick, even that that guy, Mark, that was demon-possessed, I ended up finding out later on he was a backslider. He grew up in church. He ran away from God. He started cursing God. And then... Look what be I don't know where he's at now in life, but he wasn't in a good place you know when I met him. And so all that stuff, you know, we don't talk about demons and I don't even talk about it like every day because to me that's not a, a, a issue. But I do know that they're real and they're active in people's lives. So just like they're active, so is God and his spirit and the blood of Jesus is more powerful than anything. So I invite you to ask him into your life.